Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Radio, the Puck Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Nick Pollock, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-hosts, Doug Leeson and Jacob Cheris. Doug, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. The only, the only issue I've been having lately is that whoever's making the Penn State media guides keeps messing around with us. It started, we, we thought the goalie's name was Soulier at the beginning of the year. They changed it to Soulier. Everybody on the broadcast says Soulier. And then now the media guide says again, Soulier. I, didn't, I took all these French classes at Penn State. And now I guess it's all for nothing because we just kept getting pulled back and forth on how you say this guy's name. I was he feeling so, I was feeling so high and mighty just watching these broadcasts being like, ah, these guys don't know. These guys don't know Jack. They don't know what they're yeah, talking about. Know I know how to pronounce name. it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Apparently, apparently Liam Soulier, or I, I'm going to say Soulier, just not even thinking about it now. Apparently it is Liam Soulier though. So that's. So the general rule is uh, in French words, you don't pronounce the last letter. So if it ends in a vowel, you will pronounce the last consonant. If it ends in a consonant, it's probably, there's a vowel before that. So by that rule, it should be Soulier, but I don't know. I don't know anymore. It's, I Honestly, at this point, it'd just kind of be funny if they just alternated it every week and just, <laughs> just kept everyone on edge. Uh, Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, in Maryland, uh, it's not the greatest weather. It's been raining pretty much all day. But other than that, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to talk some Penn State hockey. Well, that's good because this is a very happy podcast this week with Penn State coming off a pair of overtime thrillers against Arizona State in which they walked away the victor each time. It's obviously Penn State's first sweep of the season uh, and it moves them to three and five overall. Boy, the parallels with the football team just continuing to pile up at this point. Um, It did take overtime in each game to get those wins, but it really does seem like this team is starting to figure some things out. Jacob, do you agree with that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. They're figuring out the goaltending situation and the line combinations for sure. The the lines are starting to really develop chemistry. Passes are tape to tape more often. Guys are finding each other. Uh, there's better communication. So yeah, they they just continue to get better with every single game. Yeah, and we're gonna get to something with those lines in just a second here. But let's start by just diving right into game one. Uh, so Penn State looked great early on in this one. They jumped out to a 2-0 lead. This game was on Friday, by the way. Um, but then they let the Sun Devils climb back in. The Arizona State scored a goal in the second. They scored a goal in the third. They also had a goal waved off in the second for, I believe it was offsides was the call. They didn't really do a good job of explaining on the broadcast. but um, So they very nearly had a third goal as well. Uh, but Penn State was able to kind of clamp down from there, force overtime, and once they got into overtime, they were pretty dominant in the three-on-three play. There were a few moments where Arizona State did uh, get a few shots on goal, but more often than not, Penn State controlled the possession there. Um, and it really had to do mostly with their work in the neutral zone. They just continued to take the puck away from Arizona State time after time there. And it led to that one uh, Arizona State line being on, out on the ice for way too long. And that's how Penn State eventually won this one because their guys were so beat. It was to the point that once they got that puck into the neutral zone out of their end, their guys just said, screw it. We have to try to get off the ice. And Connor McCachron stole the puck uh, and just walked in. They had a three on one and he just chose to keep it and snipe it right top left corner over a uh, shoulder for the win. Um, Doug, what were, I don't know, what are one or two of your big takeaways from that game and from what you were able to see? I, I had two. One is that, 
Uh, Sean Doogie, I can't believe he's still around haunting Penn State hockey. He was at Wisconsin for, seemed like, 10 years, and then he transferred to Arizona State, apparently, and, and nobody told me. <laughs> the, the five foot three guy who is just such a such a pest out there he scored against Penn State in the third period so that was one takeaway I can't believe he's still <laughs> uh, and my other one is that uh, McEachern's goal and what he said after the game was the most like the platonic ideal of Penn State hockey he said after the game something along the lines of like as soon as I had the puck on my stick I knew I was shooting it so as he <laughs> said it was a three-on-one he had he had so many options on the play but that's just what Penn State is coached up to do, and that's what they've been doing for as long as they've been a D1 program. When you get the puck, that. just shoot it. So that, that I think, is why they were so successful in overtime in both games and why I imagine they'll keep being successful because when they have a chance, they take it every time, and that's, that's how McEachern was able to win the game. I love it. Also, it's, it's so completely unsurprising that Doogie would score his first goal of the season against Penn State. It's, it's yeah, just that what else would happen, of course. Um, a couple notable things from this one, as far as the line combinations went, this is another game where we did not see Stam. I always say Stam Sternshine. We did not see Sam Sternshine in this one. Uh, Xander Lampo was in on the Limoge Darty line again for him. Um, we also saw Jared Westcott move down to the fourth line in this one to play with McEachern and Christian Sarlo, which was a little bit interesting. I think Westcott, uh, to your point earlier, Jacob, about the lines kind of coming together. I think the one guy that that's not true for is Westcott. And we'll talk more about how that will be potentially difficult going forward with his injury, but he's the one guy I think has been moving around a lot and he's played with basically a part of every line at this point. He's played with damn near every single player on the team. Um, but that was a notable thing. And then um, of course this was a con- second consecutive start for Oscar audio after he got the win against Michigan. Um, so Jacob, speaking of audio, like I just said, coming off of that first win against Michigan, nine, five got the win. Still gave up five goals against Michigan, so it wasn't his sharpest performance. Um, but what did you see, either the same or different, this time around that helped him only allow two? Yeah, he, what what's standing out to me about Oscar Audio is that he's he's aggressive. He's coming out of his crease to to face shots, which is what you want from a goaltender. You don't want the goaltender to uh, uh, come deep in his crease because that opens more net. So that was my biggest takeaway, and he's doing more of that. And that's really good, especially with the Penn State defense. That's not the greatest. And also he's, his movements, that was something that was a problem early on in the season. His movements side to side, they're much better. And I think that's just a confidence thing because he's playing more and more. And, and, and Guy Godowski is having more confidence in him. And then uh, the team has confidence in uh, audio. So those are my biggest takeaways for uh, Oscar audio. He's more fluid. He he's more confident when facing shots. So again, Penn state won that game three, two in overtime, Alex Lamoge and Tim Doherty had the regulation goals before McEachern scored the winner in overtime game two, which was on Sunday had a very similar result, but a very different journey of getting there. And this one, Arizona state was the aggressor. They had three Oh and four, one leads in the first period. Um, Liam Suli. I was about to say Soulier. Liam Soulier got the start in this one, which was, I think, a little bit surprising. Um, not that we, not that we don't expect to continue to see these two rotate, but I think it was a little surprising to see them coming off two straight wins with audio, especially after the struggles they had to start the season. It was a little bit surprising to see them go back to Soulier in this one. Doug, do you agree with that? 
Definitely. That, that's something I, I wanted to bring up. Uh, like you said, audio had played well. I mean, at least got two wins in the last two games and had been looking a lot better. So I don't know if Gadowski addressed this in the post-game press conference or, or anything. I didn't tune into that, but I'm curious to see why, first of all, Soulier got the start with audio coming off of two wins. And second of all, I mean, Soulier gave up four goals in the first period. Three of those goals were within a minute and nine seconds. And those three goals were in the first four minutes of the game. So it's still early to pull a goalie, but to give him the start and to have such a bad first period, Gadowski left him in. I'm curious to see if he addressed that. But yeah, that was very surprising to see him in there. But to his credit, I mean, he shut the door the rest of the way and helped Penn State come back and win. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, I, you sometimes listen in on those post-game pressers. Did you happen to catch this one? Uh, I did not. Um, I, I wasn't able to attend the press conference. But, Doug, you mentioned Hasselier gave up uh, four goals. It wasn't really necessary necessarily on him. Penn State had so many terrible turnovers. You know, Evan Bell uh, just left a careless drop pass at the blue line, and then an Arizona State player took off on a breakaway and – I don't remember which goal it was. It was either the third or the fourth one. But, yeah, turnovers. Puck management in the defensive zone was terrible. And Guy Gadowski had to use his timeout after the 3 nothing deficit. And, you know, Penn State did show life. And I think they dominated the rest of the, the game after that. But I, I don't like blaming goaltenders because, you know, they could only do so much. They have to have a good defense uh, defensive unit in front of them. So, yeah, it's just the puck management and the turnovers. That was my biggest takeaway. And like you said, I was surprised that Godowski went to Soulier, right in the second game because you don't really want to take out a hot goaltender because that kind of messes with uh, his rhythm a bit. Jacob, I, I agree with that. But to maybe to further explain my point, it's not that Soulier was playing poorly and that's why he should right. be. Just what's on the scoreboard, it's 3-0 it's super early. It's 4-1 still in the first period. Um, now the timeout, Godowski calling a timeout right away, that's one way to kind of reset. But that's something you see a lot in games is that a, a coach will pull a goalie, even if the goalie's not playing poorly, just to kind of change things up, wake the defense up. So that's that's why I'm uh, curious to see or curious to hear if Godowski had an explanation for that. But, I mean, that's that's one of those situations that maybe the the objective thing to do is pull the goalie, but – in the flow of the game and knowing his players, Gadowski decided not to go with that. And it was the right call. He looked really good. He looked really good throughout the game. Yeah. I remember he had that like one flashy sprawling glove save, uh, I think at the beginning of the game, uh, that really, that really set the tone. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it, it wasn't because of, he wasn't playing bad because of those four goals. It, it was more uh, the defense and, you know, I liked what I saw from him. One day in the very, very distant future, Jacob, your tombstone is going to read Jacob Cheris, quote, it wasn't the goalie's fault. <laughs> I don't like blaming goalies. I, I, it's just, I, it's just like, it, it has to start with the defense first um, because you see like in the NHL, if the goalie's on a terrible team, then he's going to suck. But then when he transitions to a better team, he's a lot better, like a better defensive team. That's why I don't like playing the goalie. It is a very like someone who never had Ilya Brzgalov on the team. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
It is a very difficult position to evaluate sometimes, to be sure. Uh, but as both of you guys mentioned, Soulier, he did step it up after those uh, first four goals. Uh, Alex Lamoge got one back right towards the end of that first period. Um, and Penn State put two in the second, both in the second period to tie it up at four. And then eventually Connor McMenamin this time, and the other Connor, put in a the game winner in overtime on, I mean, it, he didn't steal the puck in the neutral zone like McEachern did. He started in his own defensive end. Other than that, the plays looked basically identical. Yeah. Um, Penn State Hockey's account did a couple cool videos just with both plays side by side. And even, even with the calls too, it was really pre- pretty fun, pretty funny to watch, pretty identical plays. Um, some notable line things in this one. So this one, we did see Jared Westcott with Alex Lamoge and Tim Darty on that second line. Again, Limoges and uh, Darty have been on that second line now for, I want to say at least four games in a row now. They they seem That's pretty comfortable. Right. They seem pretty comfortable with that. Uh, uh, who's that top line? It's uh, McMenamin, Tovidier. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Westcott got the start on the second line with those two, but he did leave pretty early with an injury. In this one, we still haven't gotten any updates on that, so uh, tough to stay there. Tough to say there. Uh, but we did see. Sam- Oh my God, I did it again. Not Stam. Sam Sternshine uh, return in this one. He was on the fourth line. He played with Christian Sarlo and Connor McEachern. So this was the, his first appearance in three games now, I believe. Um, and he did pick up an assist in this one, which is interesting. He had the assist on, I believe, that uh, the first goal, right? He's first the one goal. who, he's the one who, uh, he sh- he shot he shot the puck that uh, was rebounded by Sarlo as he wrapped around the wrapped around DeBrower. Um, and then, of course, as we mentioned, Soulier started for audio. So, like we said, very similar outcome, very different journey to get there. And it, I don't, like you guys mentioned, the passes were lazy early on. It seemed like they had just totally forgotten everything that made them successful for the two games prior to this. And then all of a sudden, they just bounced back like it never happened. And they were a completely different team after that. Do you think it's fair, Jacob, to expect lapses like that throughout the rest of the year with it being such a young team do you think there's just going to be stretches of gameplay where things like that just happen um it's possible it's definitely it's definitely possible i don't think maybe i guess the time is a two o'clock start because i guess maybe that had something to do with it like i don't know the legs weren't fresh something like that but we could see that again but at the same time, if it happens again, we shouldn't really be concerned because of what just happened uh, yesterday. Because obviously they were down three one or three nothing four one, and then they came back and won the game. So that, like you, uh, like you asked, like I, I think it could still happen for sure. So Jacob, aside from things we've already said, do you have any other major takeaways from that second game? Oh, yeah. Alex Lomosh. Alex Lomosh has been Penn State's hottest player, and it's so good because it took him kind of a while to really get going, and you need that from your leaders. He had uh, he had two goals yesterday, one, and he had two power play goals in this series, and the power play also has been really, really good. Uh, they scored, I think, six – have scored six power play goals in the past ten uh, – games or, or something like that so that's really good to see and my boy Arnie Telvidia he scored again and again he's he's uh getting going 
So, yeah, Alex Lomos has been red hot for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, you stole, you jumped ahead. You stole my next question. I was going to point out, yeah, Alex Lamoge in these two games, three goals and an assist. Uh, he and Tim Darty both really seem like they're waking up yeah. for Penn State, and it's making a big difference. Uh, we think we talked before about how it's great that guys like Kevin Wall, who has been a little quieter recently, uh, it's great that guys like Kevin Wall and Connor McMenamin and um, Arnie Talvidia are playing well and stepping up. But if Penn State's really going to do anything big this year, it does need those veterans like Limoge and Darty to kind of lead the way. So it's great to see them starting to figure out their game a bit more, even if they haven't really found their third line mate yet, unless Sam Sternshine's able to work his way back into that role eventually. Um, but it is, it is a very, very good sign for them going forward if those two can stay hot. Um, I kind of want to ask now, just thinking about these games in total, what you think about the future of this goaltender rotation. And Doug, I'll start with you. We've seen audio, I think, pretty clearly be the better goalie of the two uh, with the benefit of the Michigan win and the first Arizona State win is the most solid proof of that. But, you know, Soulier, to his credit, picked up his game after that first period against Arizona State. He picked up his first win. Do you think that we're still going to see a pretty even rotation of the two going forward, or do you think it's going to start to lean one way or the other? I would guess that it probably depends on how much time we have until the, the next phase of the schedule, because if it's, if it's suddenly they find out at the end of this week, they have, they have two more games, they might want to keep the rotation going. But if they get a couple more times to, or a couple more days, maybe a week or two to practice, maybe if it's, if they get maybe part of a Christmas break until their next game, it might turn into audio's team, but if they have to keep rolling, get, get back and playing a couple games the rotation might keep going. But as you said, I think really of these eight games Penn state's played so far, probably that first Arizona state game has been the only like complete good goaltending performance. And that was Oscar audio's win. So I do think audio is the better goalie, like you said, but again, because of whatever decision went into or whatever thinking went into the decision to start Soulier in game two, I, I don't know how to make a prediction based on that because it seemed like it would be the wrong call, even though they got the win. So I, to answer your question, yeah, I think the rotation is going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, th I, I have a hard time seeing Gadaski just completely giving up on Soulier just because I, I think that, I mean, audio is only what a sophomore, junior, junior. Okay, so even though he's audio still has this year and next year, I think Gadowski knows that Soulier is the future of the goaltender position for him. So I think he still needs to continue to get him reps, even if audio does prove to be the better option for this year. Jacob, something that we talked about last time we were on the podcast, we talked about how one of the visible differences between Penn State and its opponents was just the overall crispness of their game. How, especially in the Michigan series, just the Wolverines passes were just so much better, so much more timely. Everything just looked more in tune. And I think that in this Arizona State series, we saw Penn State finally start to find some of that for themselves, especially on the power play. They, they just looked like a completely new unit. And it shows with the goals they scored on the man advantage, but just everything about Penn State looked a lot crisper in this series. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. That, that, there's no question about it. And I think it's because of the fact that 
you know, I think they're they're playing closer together, if you know what I mean. Because, you know, Guy Godowski originally, like, he was trying to force too many stretch passes from his defenders. That's not going to work, especially against structured teams, like especially like in Ohio State, who Penn State is expected to play in the phase two schedule. So, and, and I, I think it's because, again, the chemistry, and also they're just playing tighter Penn State hockey because uh, the passes aren't like the fastest, but at the same time, the I don't really know how to uh, des- describe it, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, de- it's definitely a lot more crisp. Uh, it, they're, they're, they're much more fun to watch now because originally like at the start of the season it was just sloppy hockey and that's not really fun to watch but both all games that Penn State has have played you know the, the, it hasn't really been perfect it's been kind of you know a lot of track meets back and forth Penn State hasn't really sustained any really a lot of momentum and I think part of that is the uh the passing but I definitely agree with you it was a lot better uh yesterday and in this series so I think another thing that we need to ask is how this sweep and this series in general, how does it change some of the things that we said about this team uh, in the last podcast where we recapped the one in six or sorry, the uh, one in five start. Um, I don't know. Have Doug has any of your, have any of your impressions of the team changed as a result of these last two wins? Or do you think kind of the same issues that, were issues to begin with are still prevalent. I, I think the issues are still there, but I think they're a lot less prevalent. Um, I, th- I think a lot of the issues we saw early in the season had a lot to do with being a young team, maybe a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence because why were they? They're 0 and 5 to start the year, and it took the, it, they end up 1 and 5 with the win against Michigan. So I think the issues are still there, except they're a lot less because they're playing with a lot more confidence, especially the top six forwards, Limoges with the four-point weekend, uh, Doherty getting on the board, Talbidier scoring a goal, and the goalies kind of figuring something out, both of them getting a win in two games. So I think the issues are probably there. Uh, like you were saying, Jacob, the defenseman at the beginning of game two with a lot of turnovers leading directly to goals, that could still be a problem, especially if, if Penn State goes down early. We still might see problems that come from youth, like defenders the, or the young guys trying to force plays, trying to you know, make something happen to get back in the game, which ends up uh, you know, backfiring. I think that can still happen, except now that Penn State deserves to have some confidence, hopefully they, they start playing with more confidence because they're on a three-game winning streak. I think the problems will be a lot smaller and, and maybe even start going away. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think the defense is a really big problem because – the defensive unit, uh, obviously, Cole Holt is gone, but that's the only thing that really changed. It, and Malari's gone. That's the only thing that really changed. You know, Phillips is was here last year, and he's still here. Denaples, uh, uh, um, Alex Stevens, and, and Evan Bell. Evan Bell had a horrible game uh, yesterday. Side note: It's a crime that Evan Bell and Mason Snell don't play together on a line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, but I, th- I just think, yeah, the defense still has its problems because Arizona State had so much open ice. They had so many odd man rushes, and, and that 
led to high danger scoring chances. That's still a problem. Like Guy Gadowski has to address his defensive units, whether it's gap control, whether it's uh, not blocking shots, which actually I think the shot blocking was better. But still, I, I still think I, I'm someone personally who likes to watch a better defensive system than an offensive system. Because if you don't have good defense, then you're going to get obviously scored on a lot and it's going to be tough to come back from games. So for me, there, there's kind of two big lingering questions that I have in regards to the rest of this season, because at this point I feel, I feel pretty good about the freshman forwards. I feel like they're really figuring their game out. I feel like they're going to be just fine. But then to can you continue off something you just said, Jacob, I think one big question that we need to ask and we can break down a little bit here is, do we expect the defense to improve? I mean, we, we've seen them be at best average over these first eight games. Should we expect much more from them? I mean, the only, the only real young guy among that group is Jimmy Dow Jr., who we have talked about in the past. And uh, sorry, Jacob just... Oh, uh, yeah. Christian Berger. And Christian Berger, who who has been a healthy scratch in uh, I don't think half the games, but he he was at least a scratch in, or he was maybe he was the extra. Oh, he played. He played. Yeah, he's played all eight games. Yeah, that's right. Uh, That's what I was thinking of. So, with the knowledge that most of these guys are not young guys, that and they are mostly our guys that we know a lot about at this point. Doug, do you think we should expect much different from this defense over the rest of the year? I think the the decision making and the confidence of the players should improve and that that will lead to fewer mistakes like we saw at the beginning of the second Arizona State game. I don't think, you know, it's not like they're playing at their floor right now and they have a super high ceiling. I think they're kind of playing on par and they can improve a little bit. I don't think we're going to see anything crazy out of them. Um, really the the biggest changes I think we could I don't want to say expect, but I think the, the biggest changes that could happen are on the top pairing with the Naples and Phillips, who they, they've kind of, I mean, they've been very quiet, I think, the first eight games. So if they get into a little bit more of a rhythm, um, be more involved offensively, play a little better defensively, I think that's one big change that is probably the most likely to happen. Jacob, do you think that DeNaples and Phillips are going to stay that top pair for the rest of the season, or do you see potentially a guy like Dowd jumping in there and bumping one of them out? Well, Penn State has won three straight games, and with all the lineup uh, tinkering that has happened, and now we've gotten to this point, I don't expect to see any changes. It's working. It's clearly working because they're winning games. But I think one huge thing, huge thing, that has to be addressed is the penalty kill. The penalty kill is one of the worst in the nation, not just in the big 10 in the nation. And Penn state had in total in this series, 16 penalty minutes. That can't happen. And I mean, like they, they're, they're just not really sure positionally where to be because there's a lot of guys open and Arizona state's power play wasn't great in this series, but still the, the penalty kill is something that has to be addressed. You know, you have the power play that struggled at the start of the year, and then that's obviously gotten better, but the penalty kill is still a problem, just defense in general. But to answer your question, like I said, I don't think it's going to change and I don't think it should change. Uh, if they lose a game, then I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Godowski moves 
uh, his defensive lineups a bit. But they're an offensive team. They're known for their offense, and that's how they play. Speaking of offense, one guy that we've already talked about for his lack of offense already in this podcast is Sam Sternshine. What do they do with him going forward? I mean, you don't necessarily want to have him be a scratch every other game. He, I mean, we've seen enough from him over his career that we know he can score. We know he can be dangerous. But for whatever reason so far in 2020, he just hasn't found that touch. I mean, Doug, put yourself in Godowski's shoes for a second for me. What do you do with Sternshine, even just short term? Like, what do you do with him in the next series? I think I think he might be Gadowski might be on the right track with the role he's currently in, fourth line winger with some guys who are capable of creating their own offense, Connor McEachern, uh, Christian Sarlo. So, I mean, you don't you don't want to move Sternshine up the lineup to play him with Limoges if he hasn't proven that he can contribute on that line and, and keep the good thing they have going, going. So I, I, I think the right thing to do is kind of bury him in the lineup, but still give him some minutes because Sternshine, I think he's just going to need a breakthrough to get going. I think if they have a game where even if nobody gets any points up, but if he has a game playing with McEachern and Sarlo and they just have a lot of good opportunities, that might be the cure to kind of the lack of offense he's been showing. But I, I do want to, bring up we kind of have been piling on Sternshine which is I mean he's a veteran he's he's proven that he can you know create offense in the past so three assists no goals in six games is not good but there are a couple other guys in the lineup which is another kind of cause for concern we haven't talked a lot about the bottom six forwards haven't shown very much and that's where a lot of freshmen are so that's okay the guy like um, Tyler Gratton Tyler Gratton has played all seven games zero points, zero goals, zero assists. So the bottom half of the lineup, it's not just a Sternshine problem. He's the guy on the bottom half of the lineup who has proven that he can he can create offense. But there are a couple guys on the third and fourth lines who I, you know, not really sure what you do with them yet. That Tyler Gratton, Chase McLean, and Bobby Hampton slash um, who else plays on that line? Bobby Hampton or Tyler Paquette that that's kind of been like the pairing either one of those two on the other side there that line has been very quiet all year it's very rare to see them get on the score sheet um and yeah and I agree that's that's definitely something that needs to improve like Doug you mentioned on one of the earlier podcasts that Penn State has always been a team that's comfortably been able to go four lines deep and they've comfortably been able to find scoring on all four lines and right now that is not the case they're really surviving on those first two lines right now and that's probably not something that is sustainable going into the rest of big 10 play, considering the competition. Um, Jacob, do you see this team becoming more balanced through their lines as the year goes on? Or do you think they're, do you think that it's just going to have to fall into a system where they need those first two lines to do damage and the third and fourth lines to just tread water? Well, I think you need to have depth, but I think the role, although the third and fourth lines, they're not putting up the points. I think they're doing analytics may not show this, but I feel like their underlying numbers are really good. They've actually done really good things that are not counted on the stat sheet. They've been great on the four check, causing a lot of turnovers. They, they've been getting in their dirty areas. They've been winning their board battles. That's what I've really liked uh, from the third line. But again, I'm someone who likes depth and scoring depth. 
uh, and Penn State is not getting that. So you have to obviously rely on your top six. At the start of the year, the bottom six was outplaying the top six. There was no question about it. Now it's the other way around, and it kind of should be like that. But it it is a big question mark going into this uh, phase two is will will their depth win them – games i think that's a really really big question and to be honest i'm not sure i think they'll get better as the season goes on and i think we just have to see maybe some more tinkering i think that could help uh but again i i'm i'm not really sure to be quite honest yeah one day we'll get uh we'll get access to those advanced college hockey analytics we've been craving one day (laughs) so uh, all that being said, Penn State now sits at uh, three and five overall, uh, one and five in the conference though. Since Arizona State, although again they are playing only Big Ten teams this year, they do not actually count towards the Big Ten standings. So because of that, Penn State currently sitting in sixth in the conference, just ahead of Michigan State, um, with Minnesota leading the way at eight and zero. They've been pretty spectacular oh, so far. Okay. A new um, poll just came out, and they were ranked number one. There's yeah. no question about it. Minnesota's quite good, which, you know, I mean, it was the first series of the year, and Penn State did get swept, but they didn't look completely lost against Minnesota in Minneapolis, so I take that as a good sign for Penn State next time those two match up. Um, but given what we've seen so far, and I, honestly, I don't remember what both of you said as far as season predictions and where they would finish in the Big Ten, what are what is your kind of revised prediction after these this first phase of the schedule, these first eight games, uh, seeing what we've seen from Penn State? You first, Jacob. I said at the start of the year fifth. I'm leaning towards six now because I thought Notre Dame was going to get six, but they're actually winning games that I wasn't expecting. So I think they're going to finish fifth, and and Michigan State's going to finish dead last because they. You know, they're, they lost everything. They lost Patrick Kodorenko. They lost John Lethem in their goaltender. Uh, I, I think it, it's going to be a toss-up between fifth and sixth. Um, but yeah, Big Ten hockey, it's so inconsistent. You could have one team at the bottom of the league and then turn it up at the second half of the season. So that's my prediction. I think they're going to finish sixth. There is definitely some room still for a good amount of shuffling in these standings. Uh Ohio State yeah. sitting at third right now with, and Notre Dame at fourth. Both of those teams have negative goal differentials as things stand right now. Ohio State's at minus six. So there is definitely room for things to change pretty rapidly among these teams. Uh, Doug, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't remember what my preseason prediction was, but I imagine it was, I, I think I said probably the bottom half of the Big Ten is where Penn State would end up. I agree with Jacob. I think sixth, maybe fifth is probably it. Michigan State should probably stay in the basement the whole rest of the season. Then I actually think Ohio State is going to be with their uh, right with Penn State there in the bottom half of the standings kind of competing. What's actually interesting, I'm looking at Ohio State's schedule right now. They have 10 games in phase one, which I'm not sure why that is. If I don't think anything got canceled or moved around. So they have 10 games in phase one, which God forbid the Big Ten shows favoritism to Ohio State. But <laughs> They're going to be playing Arizona State this coming Thursday and Friday, which could be kind of telling to see how, you know, Penn State just had the Arizona State series. We learned a lot about Penn State. So I'm definitely going to try to check in on Ohio State, see how they do at the end of this week. Yeah, should be interesting. I think Ohio State is a team that 
despite what talent is actually on the ice whenever Penn State and Ohio State play, Ohio State always gives Penn State a tough time. It just oh, always yeah. seems that way. Yeah, and it reminds me of another team that I just with the New York Islanders. They play they both teams play so structured and they just they frustrate you. They're not going to be the most talented, but they they play a system that just keeps pucks out of their net and it's so hard to enter the zone. I had Ohio State finishing third. And my biggest surprise right now, if we're talking about the Big Ten, is Michigan. Michigan is 5-5-0, and and they have the best class of 2020. And they are fifth in the Big Ten. That's a huge surprise. And Wisconsin's second. I thought Wisconsin was going to be fourth and Michigan number one, but Minnesota is going to probably win the Big Ten regular season this year. Worth noting too that Wisconsin, they're they're five five and zero right now as well. They probably should be better considering the number of guys they're missing against Arizona State when Arizona State swept them. I think normally full strength Wisconsin probably wins at least one of those games, right? So that's that's something notable there too. Um, do you think Ohio State fans would be happy to be compared to the Islanders? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I just watched. This past summer, man, my Washington Capitals just lost in five to the New York Islanders because of how, you know, the, how structured the Islanders are in their one three one system. And Ohio State kind of plays that similar way. So, yes, they should be. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State fans should be happy that, to be compared to the Islanders because they went to the Eastern Conference final. I don't think they'd want to be compared to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I have a hard time envisioning anyone from Ohio being happy about co- being compared to anybody from New York in a general sense. So in that way, well, I mean, that's just how I see them. And I, you know, this, they, they're really, really structured. I watched them play Notre Dame and uh, they, even though Ohio state lost, they still, they were, they were, they were still a really structured team. Interesting side note here. I'm, I'm just looking at the standings. I'm on Kali hot Kali collegehockeyinc.com and when the way they list the standings here they only list the team so it says like minnesota golden gophers wisconsin badgers ohio state buckeyes apparently you only get your mascot name if you're one of the top three in the division because nobody else gets it (laughs) apparently that's how you earn that's how you earn your full name according to college hockey inc interesting um well i'm kind of hung up here on uh you said collie hockey i'm thinking about how there's like the puppy bowl during the super bowl what if there's oh like during the Frozen Four, there's like dog hockey? Be, they just okay. brought all the Whatever. all the NHL team dogs and just let them run around on the ice. <laughs> and the uh, the Hurricanes pig. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. That's what it is. It's just all the team dogs chasing the pig around the ice. That's the, what it the is. The pig's the goalie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, like uh, like it was mentioned, Ohio State does does get to play 10 games in this first phase, but Penn State's phase one of the schedule is now complete. Uh, we don't have any word yet on when we will get phase two or when phase two will even happen. Um, I'm I'm wondering, just because of, because of the state of the world and COVID, I'm almost wondering if they wait and give a little bit of a buffer around the holiday season just to account for people potentially going home and just worried about COVID spreading. So I do wonder if that'll be a factor at all, or if they'll try to pack games close to the holiday season in order to keep people from going home. I could see it going either way. Um, But we don't know yet what Penn state has in store. We do know that they have yet to play Ohio state, Notre Dame and Michigan state. So I think it's probably a safe bet that we'll see at least 
one or two of those teams in the next phase of the schedule. Um, but maybe the next phase of the schedule, we just get the rest of the schedule. So hard to say exactly. Uh, it seems like things, at least in terms of uh, COVID, have been going well enough in the Big Ten. We haven't had too many players have to miss games. Um, I'm not. Have we had any games canceled yet? There was a there was a canceled uh, series. Ohio Wisconsin, State, Michigan, Michigan State. State, I think, okay. got canceled. <clears throat> okay, yeah, I saw that Michigan State's only played four games, so that would that would make sense. Yeah. Um, they've, they've played, oh no, uh, sorry, four six now. Yeah, six. But they're. Uh, Michigan State and Wisconsin was postponed. That's supposed to be December oh, 8th and yeah. 9th. Wow. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, it again, weird, weird time for sports in general, but seems to be going well enough in the Big Ten as far as avoiding COVID. So that's good. We'll see how things go after the holiday break, which will be a great list, litmus test for teams everywhere, professional and amateur. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything, anything else to say about these first day games for Penn State? I mean, it's getting better. You know, they're finally starting to play Penn State hockey, which is what Guy Godowski talked about because he thought that they didn't deserve to win any of those games, obviously, that they lost because of the mistakes and the lack of identity that this team is playing or was was playing with. But also, he also talked about how we're playing Penn State hockey, but in spurts. He wants to see that throughout a whole 60-minute game. So, and I think we're seeing that more and more. So I think this team is going to get better and better with each, with each game. Doug? Uh, I had two things. I was kind of looking through the stats for the game two uh, scoring against Arizona State. If, if you don't have it in front of you, do you know who assisted on Connor McMenamin's game winner in overtime? I do, so I won't answer. Lamoge. Close. Liam Soulier. Was it McEachern? Liam Soulier. Got oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. And then my, my, my final takeaway is um, something I definitely want to see in the remainder of the season, however long or whenever that happens, is the depth scoring. Because I'm just I'm thinking back to Penn State's identity has always been so reliant on its depth from you know their first years in D1. You have top line of Casey Bailey, Taylor Holstrom, and David Goodwin. And then you have Dylan Richard and Tommy Olchuk and Ricky DeRosa on the bottom lines. So even if that top line is quiet, names, you have I, love scoring. It. I know these are some throwbacks. And then, you know, a couple of years later, uh, Dennis Smirnov's freshman season, he scored, you know, he had like 45 points in 20 something games. So the, the years, the next years after that, teams focus on shutting him down and he was actually pretty quiet the rest of his, his college career. But now we have depth like, you know, Alex Limoges when he was younger, uh, Evan Barrett and guys like that, Liam folks were able to step up and Penn state was able to have winning seasons all of those years. So now that's been the biggest difference is that the, the scorers on this team. Now it's Alex Limoges. It's Arnie Talvidier. It's supposedly maybe Tim Doherty, uh, Kevin wall. So if those guys are quiet, Penn State starts the season three and five because who else is going to score? Nobody else is really scoring. So that's that's something in the remainder of the season Penn State has to figure out. Get those get those bottom six forwards, get Gratton, Paquette, uh, McLean, Sternshine, get them going. Because if Limoges, you know, doesn't go, doesn't score at a point per game pace, nor do Talvidier and Doherty, Penn State's in trouble. They're going to finish up, you know, at the bottom of the Big Ten. 
it is a pretty unfamiliar position for Penn State. It's we've they're really like you said, there really hasn't ever been an issue with those top frontline guys being able to put the puck in the net before. And these the first four or six games of this year was the first time we've really seen them have to deal with that. But thankfully, it looks like it's starting to turn around. Limoge and Darty is starting to come alive. Uh, perhaps we'll see Sternshine start to pick it up here too. Kevin Wall, see if he can get back into scoring form from those first few games as well. Um, so yeah, it's overall, it's it wasn't necessarily the start to the season that Penn State or Penn State fans were hoping for, but it's definitely turning the right way. Again, Penn State sitting at three and five overall in the season, one and five in the Big Ten Conference, but it's looking like they are going to make some moves pretty soon here once play starts back up, whenever that may be. And whenever we do get that next phase of the schedule and we have another game to preview, we will be back on the podcast to talk about that and talk about everything else coming forward in the rest of this Penn State hockey season. But for today, I think that's going to do it for us. If you want to support the podcast, please make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast uh, delivery application you use it could be spotify it could be stitcher it could be apple Podcasts. it could be uh, i feel it overcast pocket cast anything with the word cast i think pretty much works for podcasts these days so wherever you listen please subscribe go ahead and leave us a five-star review on itunes as well and if you'd like to support uh roar lines roar in other ways go ahead and visit our website store uh if you order something now we could probably still get it to you before christmas uh if that's your holiday of choice uh but Please go ahead and do that. Visit the site, check out all our great hockey content and be on the lookout for the next hockey podcast whenever we get the next part of the schedule. For myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host, Doug Leeson and Jacob Cheris, thanks for listening. Go Our theme song is Anita Bake by Kane Look. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud. Oh,